0: Section forty four of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter nineteen. Part two. Destroying and Transporting Power of Currents after these preliminary remarks on the nature and causes of currents their velocity and direction we may next consider their action on the solid materials of the earth we shall find that their efforts are in many respects strictly analogous to those of rivers i have already treated in the third chapter of the manner in which currents sometimes combine with ice in carrying mud pebbles and large fragments of rock to great distances their operations are more concealed from our view than those of rivers but extend over wider areas and are therefore of more geological importance waste of the british coasts shetland islands if we follow the eastern and southern shores of the british islands from our ultima thule in Shetland to the land's end in Cornwall, we shall find evidence of a series of changes since the historical era very illustrative of the kind and degree of force exerted by tides and currents cooperating with the waves of the sea. In this survey we shall have an opportunity of tracing their joint power on islands, promontories, bays, and estuaries on bold lofty cliffs as well as on low shores and on every description of rock and soil from granite to blown sand the northernmost group of the british islands the shetland are composed of a great variety of rocks including granite gneiss, mica-slate serpentine greenstone and many others with some secondary rocks chiefly sandstone and conglomerate these islands are exposed continually to the uncontrolled violence of the atlantic for no land intervenes between their western shores and america the prevalence therefore of strong westerly gales causes the waves to be sometimes driven with irresistible force upon the coast while there is also a current setting from the north The spray of the sea aids the decomposition of the rocks and prepares them to be breached by the mechanical force of the waves. Steep cliffs are hollowed out into deep caves and lofty arches, and almost every promontory ends in a cluster of rocks imitating the forms of columns, pinnacles, and obelisks. Drifting of large masses of rock modern observations show that the reduction of continuous tracts to such insular masses is a process in which nature is still actively engaged the isle of stennis says dr hibbert presents a scene of unequal desolation in stormy winters huge blocks of stone are overturned or are removed from their native beds and hurried up a slight acclivity to a distance almost incredible in the winter of 1802 a tabular-shaped mass eight feet two inches by seven feet and five feet one inch thick was dislodged from its bed and removed to a distance of from eighty to ninety feet i measured the recent bed from which a block had been carried away the preceding winter a d eighteen eighteen and found it to be seventeen feet and a half by seven feet and the depth two feet eight inches the removed mass had been borne to a distance of thirty feet when it was shivered into thirteen or more lesser fragments some of which were carried still farther from thirty to one hundred twenty feet A block nine feet two inches by six feet and a half, and four feet thick, was hurried up the acclivity to a distance of 150 feet. At North Maven, also angular blocks of stone, have been removed in a similar manner to considerable distances by the waves of the sea, some of which are represented in the annexed figure. EFFECTS OF LIGHTNING in addition to numerous examples of masses detached and driven by the waves tides and currents from their place some remarkable effects of lightning are recorded in these isles. at funzi in Fetlar, about the middle of the last century a rock of mica schist one hundred five feet long ten feet broad and in some places four feet thick was in an instant torn by a flash of lightning from its bed and broken into three large and several smaller fragments one of these twenty-six feet long ten feet broad and four feet thick was simply turned over the second which was twenty-eight feet long seventeen broad and five feet in thickness was hurled across a high point to the distance of fifty yards another broken mass about forty feet long was thrown still farther but in the same direction quite into the sea there were also many smaller fragments scattered up and down when we thus see electricity cooperating with the violent movements of the ocean in heaping up piles of shattered rock on dry land and beneath the waters we cannot but admit that a region which shall be the theatre for myriads of ages, of the action of such disturbing causes, might present at some future period, if upraised far above the bosom of the deep, a scene of havoc and ruin, that may compare with any now found by the geologist on the surface of our continents. In some of the Shetland Isles, as on the west of Michael Row, dikes or veins of soft granite, have mouldered away while the matrix in which they were enclosed being of the same substance but of a firmer texture has remained unaltered thus long narrow ravines sometimes twenty feet wide are laid open and often give access to the waves after describing some huge cavernous apertures into which the sea flows for two hundred fifty feet in dr hibbert writing in eighteen twenty two enumerates other ravages of the ocean a mass of rock the average dimensions of which may perhaps be rated at twelve or thirteen feet square and four and a half or five in thickness was first moved from its bed about fifty years ago to a distance of thirty feet and has since been twice turned over passage forced by the sea through porphyritic rocks but the most sublime scene is where a mural pile of porphyry escaping the process of disintegration that is devastating the coast appears to have been left as a sort of rampart against the inroads of the ocean the atlantic when provoked by wintry gales batters against it with all the force of real artillery the waves having, in their repeated assaults, forced themselves an entrance. This breach, named the grind of the nevir, is widened every winter by the overwhelming surge that, finding a passage through it, separates large stones from its sides and forces them to a distance of no less than 180 feet. In two or three spots the fragments which have been detached are brought together in immense heaps, that appear as an accumulation of cubical masses, the product of some quarry. It is evident from this example that although the greater indestructibility of some rocks may enable them to withstand for a longer time the action of the elements, yet they cannot permanently resist. There are localities in Shetland in which rocks of almost every variety of mineral composition are suffering disintegration thus the sea makes great inroads on the clay slate of fitful head on the serpentine of the vord hill in fetler and on the mica schist of the bay of triesta on the east coast of the same island which decomposes into angular blocks the quartz rock on the east of walls, and the gneiss and Micah schist of Garthness, suffer the same fate. DESTRUCTION OF ISLANDS Such devastation cannot be incessantly committed for thousands of years without dividing islands, until they become at last mere clusters of rocks, the last shreds of masses once continuous. To this state many appear to have been reduced and innumerable fantastic forms are assumed by rocks adjoining these islands to which the name of drongs is applied as it is to those of similar shape in Faroe. the granite rocks between papa stour and hillswick ness afford an example a still more singular cluster of rocks is seen to the south of hillswick ness which presents a variety of forms, as viewed from different points, and has often been likened to a small fleet of vessels with spread sails. We may imagine that in the course of time Hillswick Ness itself may present a similar wreck from the unequal decomposition of the rocks whereof it is composed, consisting of gneiss, and mica schist traversed in all directions by veins of felspar porphyry midway between the groups of shetland and orkney is fair island said to be composed of sandstone with high perpendicular cliffs the current runs with such velocity that during a calm and when there is no swell the rocks on its shores are white with the foam of the sea driven against them The Orkneys, if carefully examined, would probably illustrate our present topic as much as the Shetland group. The northeast promontory of Sanda, one of these islands, has been cut off in modern times by the sea, so that it became what is now called Start Island, where a lighthouse was erected in 1807, since which time the new strait has grown broader. East coast of Scotland. To pass over to the mainland of Scotland we find that in Invernessshire there have been inroads of the sea at Fort George and others in Morayshire which have swept away the old town of Findhorn. On the coast of Kincardonshire, an illustration was afforded at the close of the last century of the effect of promontories in protecting a line of low shore the village of mathers two miles south of johnshaven was built on an ancient shingle beach protected by a projecting ledge of limestone rock this was quarried for lime to such an extent that the sea broke through and in seventeen ninety five carried away the whole village in one night and penetrated one hundred fifty yards inland where it has maintained its ground ever since the new village having been built farther inland on the new shore in the bay of montrose we find the north Esk and the south Esk rivers pouring annually into the sea large quantities of sand and pebbles yet they have formed no deltas for the waves aided by the current setting across their mouths sweep away all the materials considerable beds of shingle brought down by the north esk are seen along the beach proceeding southwards we learn that at arbroath in fortishire which stands on a rock of red sandstone gardens and houses have been carried away since the commencement of the present century by encroachments of the sea it had become necessary before eighteen twenty eight to remove the lighthouses at the mouth of the estuary of the tay in the same county at button ness which were built on a tract of blown sand the sea having encroached for three-quarters of a mile forces of waves and currents in estuaries the combined power which waves and currents can exert in estuaries a term which i confine to bays entered both by rivers and the tides of the sea was remarkably exhibited during the building of the bell rock lighthouse off the mouth of the tay the bell rock is a sunken reef consisting of red sandstone being from twelve to sixteen feet under the surface at high water and about twelve miles from the mainland at the distance of one hundred yards there is a depth in all directions of two or three fathoms at low water in eighteen o seven during the erection of the lighthouse six large blocks of granite which had been landed on the reef were removed by the force of the sea and thrown over a rising ledge to the distance of twelve or fifteen paces and an anchor weighing about twenty-two hundredweight was thrown up upon the rock mr Stevenson informs us moreover that drift-stones measuring upwards of thirty cubic feet or more than two tons weight have during storms been often thrown upon the rock from the deep water. SUBMARINE FORESTS Among the proofs that the sea has encroached on the land bordering the estuary of the Tay, Dr. Fleming has mentioned a submarine forest which has been traced for several miles, along the northern shore of the county of fife but subsequent surveys seem to have shown that the bed of peat containing tree-roots leaves and branches now occurring at a lower level than the tay must have come into its present position by a general sinking of the ground on which the forest grew the peat-bed alluded to is not confined says dr Buist, to the present channel of the tay but extends far beyond it and is covered by stratified clay from fifteen to twenty-five feet in thickness in the midst of which in some places is a bed full of sea-shells recent discoveries having established the fact that upward and downward movements have affected our island since the general coastline had nearly acquired its present shape we must hesitate before we attribute any given change to a single cause, such as the local encroachment of the sea upon low land. On the coast of Fife, at St. Andrew's, a tract of land said to have intervened between the castle of Cardinal Beaton and the sea, has been entirely swept away, as were the last remains of the Priory of Crail in the same county in 1803 on both sides of the frith of forth land has been consumed at north berwick in particular and at new haven where an arsenal and dock built in the reign of james the Fourth, in the fifteenth century has been overflowed east coast of england if we now proceed to the english coast we find records of numerous lands having been destroyed in northumberland as those near bamborough and holy island and at Tynemouth castle which now overhangs the sea although formerly separated from it by a strip of land at hartlepool and several other parts of the coast of durham composed of magnesian limestone the sea has made considerable inroads coast of yorkshire Almost the whole coast of Yorkshire from the mouth of the Tees to that of the Humber is in a state of gradual dilapidation that part of the cliffs which consist of leas the oolite series and chalk decays slowly they present abrupt and naked precipices often three hundred feet in height and it is only at a few points that the grassy covering of the sloping talus marks a temporary relaxation of the erosive action of the sea the chalk cliffs are worn into caves and needles in the projecting headland of flamborough where they are decomposed by the salt spray and slowly crumble away but the waste is most rapid between that promontory and spurn point or the coast of holderness as it is called, a tract consisting of beds of clay, gravel, sand, and chalk rubble. The irregular intermixture of the argillaceous beds causes many springs to be thrown out, and this facilitates the undermining process, the waves beating against them, and a strong current setting chiefly from the north. The wasteful action is very conspicuous at Dimlington Height. The loftiest point in holderness where the beacon stands on a cliff one hundred forty six feet above high water the whole being composed of clay with pebbles scattered through it for many years says professor phillips the rate at which the cliffs recede from bridlington to spurn a distance of thirty six miles has been found by measurement to equal on an average two and a quarter yards annually which upon thirty-six miles of coast would amount to about thirty acres a year at this rate the coast the mean height of which above the sea is about forty feet has lost one mile in breadth since the norman conquest and more than two miles since the occupation of york Eboracum by the romans the extent of this denudation as estimated by the number of cubic feet of matter removed annually, will be again spoken of in Chapter 22. In the old maps of Yorkshire we find spots, now sandbanks in the sea, marked as the ancient sites of the towns and villages of Auburn, Hartburn, and Hyde. Of Hyde, says Pennant, only the tradition is left, and near the village of Hornsea, a street called hornsey Beck has long since been swallowed althorne and its church have also been in great part destroyed and the village of Kilsney but these places are now removed farther inland the annual rate of encroachment at althorne for several years preceding eighteen thirty is stated to have averaged about four yards not unreasonable fears are entertained that at some future time the spurn point will become an island and that the ocean entering into the estuary of the humber will cause great devastation pennant after speaking of the silting up of some ancient ports in that estuary observes but in return the sea has made most ample reprisals the site and even the very names of several places once towns of note upon the humber are now only recorded in history, and Ravenspur was at one time a rival to Hull, and a port so very considerable in 1332 that Edward Balliol and the confederated English barons sailed from hence to invade Scotland, and Henry the Fourth in 1399 made choice of this port to land at to effect the deposal of Richard II yet the whole of this has long since been devoured by the merciless ocean extensive sands dry at low water are to be seen in their stead pennant describes Head as a promontory in the form of a sickle and says the land for some miles to the north was perpetually preyed on by the fury of the german sea which devours whole acres at a time and exposes on the shores considerable quantities of beautiful amber lincolnshire the maritime district of lincolnshire consists chiefly of lands that lie below the level of the sea being protected by embankments some of the fens were embanked and drained by the romans but after their departure the sea returned and large tracts were covered with beds of silt containing marine shells now again converted into productive lands many dreadful catastrophes are recorded by incursions of the sea whereby several parishes have been at different times overwhelmed end of chapter nineteen part two